Welcome to How I Got Here, hosted by seasoned educator Jeremy Proper. This is a podcast of conversations with his former students discussing their journey from middle school to where they are today. Guests highlight their successes and the life lessons learned along the way. And now let's welcome the host, Jeremy Proper. Welcome to How I Got Here with Mr. Proper. I will be talking to former students who will tell their story of their personal journey from Mr. Proper's class, aka Club 128, to where they are now. Everyone has a different path to get to where they are now, and that path may just be the beginning to where they actually want to be. In these podcasts, I hope to tap in the journeys that my former students have taken. Also, for them to share their experiences with my current students, and for that matter, anyone else who is interested in seeing how hard work in and out of the classroom actually pays off. So let's welcome my guest today, Megan Rice. Hello, Megan. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm wonderful. How are you today? I'm doing well. That is awesome. So as I start these podcasts all the time, I ask that you take a few minutes to briefly introduce yourself. Please include when you left the Don, where you went to high school, then college, if there's post-college, and what you're currently doing right now. So my name's Megan Rice. Um, I think I left the Don in 2008. That seems right. Um, I went to- That's always I, the hardest question right off right. the bat, when you left the Don. Like, um, oh, yeah. uh, it's been uh, a while. Math, math, math. <laughs> yeah, really. Meanwhile, this is the engineer. Anyway. <laughs> um, I went to high school at Boca High. I graduated in 2012. Uh, then I went to do my undergraduate degree at University of Florida. Um, I studied mechanical engineering. And then I did one year of graduate school So I have like half of an MBA from FAU where I played beach volleyball for them. Um, And now I work for Johnson Controls. I've been there for about two and a half years um, doing mechanical engineering for them. I work for their sub company under them called Sensormatic, um, which does like, I guess if anyone's ever seen the the tags that go on clothing to prevent you from stealing them, um, we make those um, the readers that alarm if you steal them. And then a bunch of RFID stuff, which is kind of a newer technology that's really coming into the industry for inventory, just everyone knows like, oh, this is a medium t-shirt that's tie-dye or whatever, um, just based on the tag alone. Um, And I also play, I will call it professional beach volleyball because it is but there's not a lot of money in beach volleyball. So professional should be taken with a grain of salt. <laughs> that is that is fun. It is professional because now, as we noticed, it's on television because I yes. saw that uh, tournament in Hawaii and I was like joking with you going, did you go to this? And you're like, I'd love to, but not yet. And now that Bally Sports owns them, you were mentioning that now it's becoming, hopefully will get more traction and become more popular. But that I think that's so amazing that you still do that. So Can you inform my students that this was something you didn't just hop into? You've been doing this for a long time, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, I played volleyball. Like, I I played on the middle school team at Don Estridge. I played indoor on the high school team at Boca High. Then I never – I just – growing up, it was always education first. So, I didn't go anywhere, you know, to play volleyball. Like, I was fine. I was an okay indoor player. I probably could have gone somewhere. But it just wasn't my priority. Um, So I went somewhere for education. And then while I was there at UF, I played on the club indoor team and then there were sand courts. And so I had played beach a little bit, you know, back home because my mom plays. So it was more just for fun. And like, I honestly wasn't very good, Um, but just playing pickup more there 
Um, I got a lot better. Uh, I started playing in tournaments when I was in college, started doing well, started playing in bigger tournaments, you know, won like a mid-level tournament and then got to the AVP, which is the professional tour in the U.S. And you have to play qualifiers to get in. And I was able to qualify. And now I kind of have enough points that I'm in the main draw for those. So, you know, whatever events they have throughout the country during the summer, I play in those. So middle school volleyball basically turned into uh, side hustle, interest, whatever it is that you want to call it. Because like you said, it's not a ton of money in it, but it's just right. something fun. My, my question while you were discussing, I was wondering, was the transition very difficult from indoor to beach? Like, was that a, a difficult thing or was it like, because I don't understand volleyball. I never played. The high school <laughs> is totally pointless. I've never used it for anything other than tennis, but. Um, it, was it a hard transition from, from indoor to beach? I think initially, yes. Um, and for me, it, it was hard because now in indoor, the positions are so specialized. So, you know, you have a setter, they set, you have an outside who the outsides are the most versatile position. They hit, they pass, um, they play defense, they do serve, receive all that stuff. But I was a middle and that's like the most specialized because basically all you do is block and hit. So you don't have as much of those, you know, whole game fundamentals of passing. <laughs> Heavy duty responsibilities. Right. So it was definitely tougher in the beginning, just, you know, getting passing reps and serve receiving stuff. Um, because for the people know, that are listening like so that don't understand, for, sorry, <laughs> for the people that are listening that don't understand, you, you went from, I'm sorry, how many people are indoor on the court at once? Oh, yeah. So there's six people indoor as well, because I forget that not everyone knows like all about volleyball. So I just exactly. start talking. And, you know, That's OK. Talk. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here to guide you. Yes. Um. So there's six people on an indoor court on each side. And then in beach, there's only two. So you're doing every single skill like you're you're passing, you're setting, you're playing defense, you're blocking, you're hitting, you're serving. You know, there's nowhere to hide because there's only two people. Right. So if you've ever been to the Deerfield Pier and you look to your left, you will see that there are a whole bunch and actually more every time it seems that I go there. Yeah, they keep but adding. They do. It's like I remember when I first went to the pier and even before I even knew you did this, it was just by happenstance because that's the <laughs> ride I go on. And they're, poof, I, wait, I know that girl. And all of a sudden it started off and there was like four or six. And now there's like 20, it seems. It's crazy. But if you go down to the Deerfield Pier, you will see all these set up beach volleyball courts and people are playing all the time. And you don't realize, like Megan said, that you're you're soup to nuts. You have to do it all. You, you can't just be like, OK, I can do one aspect of this and go out and play beach volleyball and be proficient at it. You have to be proficient at everything because it's just two people in concert doing it together. And you have to like you have to find, I would assume, the right partner to know what to do and you know, and then it gets into the hand signals and all that other stuff, which I'm always like, <laughs> what are they doing? Which like, is I remember funny you mentioned the hand signals because so my brother, who has seen me play so many times over Thanksgiving break, he came home and he was like, what are the hand signals? And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, you don't know what the hand signals are? Right. He's like, yeah, I thought it was just telling who to serve. And I'm like, no, those no. are like blocking and defensive calls. So you're signaling to your partner what part of the court you're going to take. Right. So you it's not like a mystery when the the ball is served, you know, I'm going to the left. You've got to cover the right. Or yeah, vice versa. basically. Yeah, yeah. It took me a minute to figure that out. But wow, <laughs> Ryan, not very good, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> Your sister has done this for how many years? Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's really complicated because you liter literally go from one aspect where, like you said, you can just be that one 
person that does that one specific skill, whereas in beach volleyball, you have to know them all. So that's, yeah. wow, that's really interesting. And so this was just because college, you were more focused on uh, academics and volleyball just kind of went by the wayside or? Yeah, it was more like um, I wanted to go to like a really strong academic school. And I, I knew that I was going to study engineering because like I always like math and science. My parents are engineers. <laughs> it no runs one is surprised in the family. Here. Yeah, like and um, her brother's an engineer as well. Right. Like if so, they came out and said I wanted to be artists, they would be left at the fire station. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was always just big emphasis on education and I was gonna stay in Florida because you know, like money that makes sense, basically, yeah, not yeah. to pay well, out of state tuition. So let's let's go in that vein. So then when you were in high school, um, middle school prepared you how well? How did you think middle school prepared you for high school? Did you feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing or, oh my God, I'm totally clueless? Yeah, I definitely felt like I knew what I was doing and I was actually surprised in some classes, like specifically in English. I remember that Miss Adamo did a really great job teaching us stuff that when I went to the high school English classes, I was like, oh, I actually know this, you know? It's funny I say that, that all the that time. Specifically say, rings thank you about. for saying that. Thank you so much for saying that because I say it all the time that I tell them, look, if you really are paying attention to what's going on in certain classes, when you get to high school, you're going to be so much more advanced than the kids from other schools because they didn't have these teachers and they weren't taught this stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I definitely think that the bigger transition for me was high school to college, just more in terms of like scheduling. Um, but yeah, the transition from middle school to high school, I felt like we had such strong educators at Don Estridge, and I'm not just saying this because, like, you know, you work there, whatever. Like, this is <laughs> this is for real. Grease <laughs> like, that wheel. I'll yeah. give you the money. <laughs> like later. that, it was an easy transition. I didn't feel like I was struggling in, you know, any classes in high school coming out of Don Estridge. So, going along with that, what was the real difference between middle school and high school? And was there something that you were like, "Oh, I didn't realize this." Hmm. I feel like. The biggest difference I didn't feel like was in the education. I felt like it was more in like the social part of it. Um, because in high school, you know, you get more independence. You usually get your driver's license. You can drive. You can kind of do your own thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I just felt like kind of learning your about yourself and your independence happened more in high school. I felt like that was the biggest difference. Oh, okay. Because that was actually a question when I posed it to my students. I said, is there something that you would like me to ask? And that was one of the ones that stood out a lot. Like huh. these kids are on the precipice of eighth to ninth grade. So they're not quite sure what to expect because, you know, it's the unexpected. They don't know. So they're like, can you ask these people who've already done this? Like, what was it like that transition? So I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I definitely think that like if they're worried about education, I think or like, you know, doing well in their classes or whatever. I think that if they're doing fine in middle school, that they're going to be fine again. It's more just, you know, figuring figuring out what you want to take, because I do think there are more options. And then just like finding your friend group where of who of people who you know have common interests that you get along with and then just finding yourself basically so going along with that did you find yourself going with a new friend group or did many of your uh cohorts seem to follow you follow you along to boca high and you were just like oh here are my friends and we're moving forward or did you feel <laughs> like you kind of said you know what it's a metamorphosis for megan and i'm gonna start anew and i'm gonna try some new friends 
Um, I de- it definitely wasn't like a completely fresh start. Like I took a lot of friends with me um, from Don Estridge to Boca High, which was helpful, of course, in the transition than just starting fresh. Um, I also playing on the volleyball team, you know, you kind of get like built in friends there because sure. you spend every single afternoon of fall semester exactly. with them running exactly. around doing the same conditioning, you know, griping about the same things, whatever. This is horrible. I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> Coach sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but some of the friends that that I knew from Don Estridge, I wasn't as close with, like we didn't have the same classes because I feel like so much of your friend group in middle school is just based on who's in your class. Because you um, follow them around group to group to group. I ask that every year. And many yeah. of the kids have three, four, five classes with the same kids because you're taking the same academic level. Right. So therefore, it's just easier to group you. And to be honest, that's something that bothers me because there's many different groups and you don't necessarily get a chance to intermingle with others because you're constantly from sixth grade to eighth grade. If you're in a specific program, you're following those kids and it's just easy to keep grouping them together as mm-hmm. far as, I guess, making a schedule. But that's not fair to you because you're never getting to know the other people who are still part of the same group because they're not in your class. Yeah. So I think that was that's something that's super important about doing extracurriculars is that like, yeah, in high school, you still have you still have some of that in high school. I will say, like, if you're taking a full AP course load, like you're seeing a lot of the same faces in those classes with you. But if you're involved in extracurriculars, then you're getting you know, you're getting to know different people. And so our friend group was kind of like a hodgepodge group of some people from my classes, some people from extracurriculars, some I met through like my brother doing Boy Scouts and we just became friends because we were the only girls there. Right, <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah, so it, it worked out. It was a good group. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're very, very well-rounded with your education, with your athletics, academics. So is there some moment that Megan can remember when she got inspired for learning or has that just been a lifelong process? Was that something handed down by mama and papa or was that something that you just acquired yourself? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of been lifelong. I don't think there was one specific moment where I was like, I love learning because of this, you know? Right. Um, but I, I mean, I'm just thinking back and I mean, in elementary school, I remember like my parents always wanted me to do things like the right way. And I remember there was a specific math thing where um, it was a guess and check. And that was what was taught in the textbook. Like, that's just Mm. what it was. You guess this number, you do the equation, you see if it works out. And then if it's wrong, you guess a different number. And they're like, just try again. Yeah. They're like, why would you waste your time guessing all these different numbers and doing it? This is the systems of equations we're going to teach this to you, this algebra, like you do wait, it this wait, way, old, because this is the right way. Happened? You're only going to get one answer. How old so, were you when this happened? Do you remember? What? Sorry. Sorry. How old were you when this happened? I think it was third or fourth grade. So. Oh my God. Third or fourth like, grade, no. your parents are like, no, this isn't how this works. <laughs> and you're like, um, I'm eight. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> the first time they tried to teach me, that was the reaction. I was like, no, comprendo. I don't get it. Like, please just let me guess. But then I think they they did it again the next year and it kind of stuck. And I remember the teacher. Wow. Imagine on- what one year makes. Wow. Yeah, it, it is funny. What like, a difference. Yeah. Um, the teacher was, like asked the class, um, is there anyone that wants to come, you know, show us the problem? And I raise my hand because I was like yeah I know how to do it like go up to the board do the whole systems of equations of algebra and the teacher's like yeah like that's right but that's yeah how do you know that you're like nine you shouldn't know this yet like what do your parents do for a living because you don't need me anymore 
that is hilarious oh my god but look at you this self-confident young lady getting up there and like i'm gonna do this whole math problem in front of this whole class who's watching me and i got it right and the teacher's like uh um, <laughs> uh hello uh, how did you do that so yeah, like funny. this is great but like i didn't teach anyone else how to do this so they're not gonna understand <laughs> nice so was there a, a a moment where all of a sudden like that um, you decided yourself on your path where like it wasn't so much, well, my mom's an engineer, my dad's an engineer, <laughs> um, I guess I should do that too. Like, was there a moment where you were like, I actually like math, I'm actually good at it, and this is the path I want to take? Yeah, I think that, again, I don't think there's like one specific moment, but like, just in all my classes, like I always just enjoyed math and science, like history and English were just like, they were fine subjects to me, but oh, I the spear to the heart, they were fine. <laughs> oh. like, this I interview just... is now over. <laughs> Delete on what is yes. it? Hit the big red button. The big red button. <laughs> Finish recording. <laughs> um, but yeah, to me, math and science just always piqued my interest more. Um, awesome. Yeah, I, I wish it's like math for me was always this arduous task that took forever. It's not that I couldn't do it. It's just it took so long. It's like anything. If it takes you a long time to do anything, you just don't like it. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. I mean, I'm sure like even Picasso had paintings where he was like, oh, I had to work all these months and look at this piece of garbage. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? This is amazing. <laughs> but, you know, to you, it's your own internalization of how you see things. And I just was like, oh, this is too much. You know, like I uh, like they don't even teach it anymore. It's uh, algebra trig, which is pre-calc now. Mm -hmm. But that's what that's what it was. And I was like, do I need more math to be a history teacher? They were like, no. I'm like, I'm done. Check, please. I'm out. Like, it's, why am I doing more math than I need to? This is too much work. But, you know, I, I envy all those people who are, who are the math people and can do it because everyone, you know, everyone has their hidden talents. And, and the same thing with you and your volleyball. Like I said, I'll never forget that day. I was just riding along and I stopped down on the, on the little, you know, what is that? The, the, the boardwalk? The, yeah, that's it. The boardwalk. I was going to say the runway. The boardwalk. <laughs> the runway. And I'm just looking around and looking around, and I'm like, I think I know that person. I really, I really do. I really think I know. And then you finally saw me, and you were like, and I'm wearing that big floppy yeah, hat. Yeah, you had the Don Estridge shirt you had, too. Oh, that's right. And Johnny saw it, because he was like, wait, didn't you go to middle school there? Yes, yes. <laughs> that was it. And, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Megan. And it just blew my mind because I did remember that you played volleyball in middle school and high school, but I had no idea the transition because, again, you know, social media was just starting to become a thing. And, you know, yeah. you lose contact with people, even though you live right here in Boca. And it was just so crazy. And then I, I never knew anyone who played beach volleyball to begin with. So it was just so intriguing. And then even more so. Uh, here's a female athlete and I was like this is blowing my mind and <laughs> you know it was just so interesting to me to see how something that became a a interest became you know more than that and it became a love and it became something that you do it's like I guess again you today you would call it like a side hustle but you yeah know, going to all these tournaments and you know and then you you opened my eyes because I didn't know what it was and it was so interesting to see what you had made of it that that it, to me is so tremendous. If you could turn back time and tell your eighth grade self some advice, what would you tell eighth grade Megan? Hmm. I feel like this kind of goes hand in hand with the quote that we were discussing, but it's yes. just kind of like, 
do your thing like do what you want to do forget what anyone else you know wants for you or thinks that you should do you know because like yeah like my parents like they do expect me to like go have a career path or whatever but like even going back to your last question of like was there a moment where you knew what you wanted to do? I think like even through college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was taking all these classes and I enjoyed them. Like I liked the classes, but I was like, do I want to do this for 40 years? <laughs> you know, like I don't know the answer. And no, no one does until you actually do it. That's the right, problem. Right. And so it's frustrating. Like, you know, you go through all this school and you are still unsure. And like, I actually applied to, optometry school when I graduated because I was like wow. oh you can make your own schedule like you know it's it's more flexible than like traditional engineering jobs um maybe this is what I want to do it's still like a science um it's a little but bit that's less what's interesting you 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 took one path and then like Bugs Bunny said I made a left turn at Albuquerque because you had done such a highly specialized math thing it basically opened up the door for other things if you chose to go in that direction versus the direction originally chosen. That's yeah. what I'm, I really see is coming across. Yeah, that. it's funny because so the it's funny because most people who try to pursue like a health uh, higher level education, like doctorate or, you know, PA, doctor, optometrist, physical therapist, something like that, they usually specialize in um, uh, what's it called? Anatomy and kinesiology. Right. or something like that, like a pre-med course. But since exactly. I did engineering, I actually, because I had a lot of credit from high school, I had a lot of flexibility in my schedule to take some electives that I wanted. So I was able to take anatomy, biochem, orgo, some of these other sciences. Really that, enjoy like, your science, yes. Yeah, like I like science. So like it still was like a fit for me. And I wound up getting into optometry school, but then deciding- what? That's like, amazing. I didn't know that. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, so, but then I was like, again do you want to do this and this was like a bigger question because it was like you have to take out two hundred thousand dollars yes. in loans to do this more and money I was like, more time oh god right and i'm just like i don't know i'm like i can just revisit this if i really hate engineering is basically what i came down to um because i was like whatever i got in once like i know how to study i can do it again yeah. um well i want to go back for a second so your high school preparation enabled you to do that so do you remember how many AP classes that you took in high school? Yeah, it was it was a lot. <laughs> in the twenties? Um, I think it was probably in the in the twenties. Wow. Um I took like one or two my freshman year. Um and they had ace as well. Right. Which didn't always translate. So I took some ace, some not. Um, but like I took AP Calc one and two, which translated so I could go directly to Calc three. Wow. Um physics. I could go to physics two i think um yeah there were some others like i didn't have to take a, an english because i had taken ap english and history um yeah so i was able to get enough credits for the most part that i only had to take a couple of electives my freshman year wow. and then so i could taking, choose taking all these high school ap and ace classes really helped to precipitate what direction you were going and gave you latitude to take other things because you didn't have to fill your plate with things you've already taken. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times engineering is a five-year degree or you have to take summer classes right. at some point. Um, but again, because I had so much credit, I was able to do it in four and still take some of these other classes that I wanted to. 
I wish somebody would have mentioned these things to me when I was in high school that <laughs> taking more stuff in high school makes college easier. You know, you yeah. just you you don't but I'm hearing this from so many of the interviews and that the interviewees are saying how, oh, well, because of this, it made this so much easier, or it made my like you're saying, my path so much clearer. But then here you are just, I hate to say it this way, but for fun, taking these high-level yeah. science classes because you enjoyed it. It wasn't like you had to. You just wanted to because you liked it. So finding that, that early-on niche of what you enjoy, and it made it easier for you ultimately when you got to college. That's a very important point. I'm glad you hit on that. Yeah. Yeah, I think everything you just said is definitely true. Um, but so, yeah, so... I don't know. With Go all, ahead. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. With all of these hardcore classes, is there a most challenging educational experience that you had to overcome? And how were you able to do it? And did it actually make you a better student because of it? Was there a positive outcome? It doesn't necessarily mean there is, but was there something that like just was a real roadblock in your educational learning? And then it helped you to propel yourself in a different direction, the same direction, better direction? Um, yeah, I think it's more like a road speed bump, like not a full block, but like going into the first year of college where you're on your own and you live in the dorms and you have your classes and it's not like you go to class from eight to three and then you go home, like your class is at nine to 10, then two to three, you only have it three times a week, you know, like you're not seeing the material every day. Um, a lot of the college professors, I mean, my learning style for sure is the professor writes it on the chalkboard, like, because a lot of what I did was math and science. So he's like writing a problem on the chalkboard, dictating it as he writes it, and I'm copying it into my notes. Like, that is how I learn the best. And I think that it took some figuring out the first year of college to kind of get there and figure out how I could retain some of the material, because, you know, a lot of those professors don't have that style. Um, so it's like, self-accountability to go to class at these weird times you know different times of the day you're not no one's making you go um you can cut if you want like there's no attendance right. for most of these. you're paying for it if you don't want to go no one cares right I've said that a thousand times right and then like doing the homework you know it's just like again your parents aren't making you no one's making you like your grade will will reflect it and you're paying for it but for sure still um and then just like figuring out your learning style and that how to kind of get through a class that's not taught in the learning style that suits you best. That's where I think the disconnect happens. I've been pushing the learning styles on my students just this year where actually right before break, I made them take a learning style questionnaire. It was like 30 questions. And I said, okay, what is the learning style that you found? And go look up one of the new techniques for studying. Because a lot of people don't realize what learning style they are and if they're studying correct for that learning style. So yeah. you, you could be totally auditory and, and have to say your notes into your iPhone and have it repeated to you over and over. And all you're doing is writing down notes. It's not helping you. You're actually being more counterproductive and destructive than helpful. Yeah. So that's I really appreciate you saying that as well. That's another wonderful point that learning style it, like they, the old adage, it's, it's better to work smarter than it is to work harder. I tell them that I didn't learn that until graduate school. When I was in graduate school, I was like, oh my God, I've been studying wrong my whole life. And yeah. I wound up cutting my studying time in half and my grades went through the roof. And I'm yeah. like, this is not the way this is supposed to work, or at least the way I was explained <laughs> it. And 
I'm like, I want these kids now to understand it because hopefully that can propel them much sooner and going, oh my gosh, I, I studied as half as much as I did for the last test and I got a much better grade. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important. And that was difficult for me the first year because some classes weren't taught in that style, like I was saying. And so, you know, like I was a straight A student and so going in and like, you know, not acing tests and, you know, not doing as well. Dum, some dum, tests. Dum. Yeah. All of a sudden there's the Grim Reaper again going, Hey Megan, how you doing? And right. Like, oh, and then man. just like, no, this isn't my life. I'm yeah. a student. <laughs> yeah. And so getting a bunch of B's and stuff in classes and stuff, like, again, I didn't like, I graduated with like a three five. So like I was an AB student, like right, the classes right. were difficult, you know, right. but, but definitely prior to that moment, you were straight A student 4.0. Right. And now all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, wait a minute. This isn't, but again, it's, that's what people don't understand. The professor or teacher is not going to adjust to your learning style. Yep. You have to adjust to their teaching style. It's yeah. completely different. And, and the, taking advantage of office hours is also huge, which is huge. something that I didn't do my freshman year because, again, like the classes were also big because they were yep. they were more generic classes the first year. So yep. it was like you go to office hours. There's so many people there. Um, you just leave because you're like, I'm never going to get my question answered. You know. I remember doing that the first time and thinking to myself, this is the greatest thing in the world. My professor actually knows my name, Yeah. knows my face, is annoyed when I show up because they know that I have a question. <laughs> but whenever I had a question, I always got it answered. Whenever I had a problem, it always got fixed. Whereas my friends would complain and I'm going, go talk to the professor. They're actually pretty cool. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Or I have this to do. And I'm like, you're going to suffer. And I can't tell you how many times I was able to kind of work things to my advantage because I would go sit, wait for my turn, like you said, and talk to the professor and, you know, or my friends would get really mad when here we are, like you said, in these 100 level classes and there's 400 people in the class and the professor's yeah. like, hey, Jeremy, how you doing? And then they're <laughs> like, how does the professor know who you are? I'm like, uh, I went to their office like 42 times last week. That's why. <laughs> And it makes a difference because you're making a connection. You're making a difference. And it shows the professor that you care. And even if your question is ridiculous, it doesn't matter. You're taking your time to, to go there on their time. And it does make a difference. All those little things matter. So again, learning styles, taking the time to, to get to know your professor so they can ultimately get to know you. Yeah, it's obviously to help yourself, but it's a positive thing. It's very helpful. Wow, those are some really great tips. Yeah, and I think what you said about getting to know your professor can also really open doors for you down the line because, like, maybe they have a project that they need a research student for and they offer it to you, you know, maybe exactly. you're interested. So I think that, yeah, like, going to class, doing the homework, like, going to office hours, like, yeah, it's more time, but it's ultimately worth it in the end. And I think that's kind of the challenge, like, of the first year of college that I faced. And then from there, I kind of figured it out and it was a smoother ride. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a blank roadmap that you're trying to fill in yourself and figure out how it works. It's funny, your last comment, it reminded me I was trying to get into a class that was closed. And here's another thing that the students don't understand. Oh, They're yeah. like, closed class? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, when it fills up, you can't get in. Well, I had a professor that I was really tight with, and I went up to him, and I was like, hey, man, I need this class to graduate. It's only offered in the fall, and if I don't get in it, I can't graduate on time. <laughs> Can you please talk to the professor? I know you're friends with them. Not a problem. The next day, the professor's like, come to my office. I'll sign your card. Because of <laughs> those relationships that are being made 
it makes a difference. You have to know how to play the game. It doesn't yeah. matter what game you're playing. It could be Monopoly or it could be Life, which is still a game. But real life, you have to have relationships with people and you have to understand that they're going to help you if it's a positive relationship. And it helped me. And I was able to get into this class and graduate on time. Otherwise, yeah. I don't know what I would have done. It's funny. I actually just remembered. So this one class specifically, it was mechanics and materials. And there were two classes offered. And I, I didn't look at either of the professors. Like, I just signed up for the one with, with the time slot that fit my schedule the best. Right. And this professor, I mean, she was new. She wasn't, I mean, she, maybe she was great for some people, but she wasn't great for me. Um, and the other class, but we had a quiz every day. So like, I had to go to that class. Right. Um, but the other mechanics of materials class was taught. I think this class was at like 11 a.m. But the other one was taught at two something. Ooh, and right. I didn't have a class at that time. So I was registered for the 11 a.m. Like I couldn't leave and unregister and join the other class. But what I did is I went to two lectures every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday for that wow. specific class because I actually learned in the second one, but I took the quiz in the first one. That's incredible. So you're at, oh, you're like double dipping. And so no one ever caught on to the fact that you weren't even registered in the class? No, because it, it was like, it was, it was a auditorium level class, but it was still like uh, 50 to 100 people. Oh my gosh. So you just, oh my, that's amazing. I, I, I don't think I've never heard that before. <laughs> I don't think there are many people, Megan, that would literally take the same <laughs> class twice just so they could understand them. That's, and not to mention, you could have hired a tutor. You could have done all these other things. You're like, well, there's a two o'clock. Why don't I just go to that? Yeah. <laughs> oh and I think God. I had a class like right before or after. So I was already on campus. It wasn't like a big deal for me to come back or go home or something. So yeah, that's funny. I just remembered that. <laughs> so that. So that extra effort thing also pays off. You're just a cornucopia of information. This is incredible. <laughs> like, I, honestly, I've never heard anyone do that before. That is incredible. But that's the mark of a successful person. That's somebody who wants to succeed and not blame their failures or their ineptitude on someone else. You're like, okay, this might not be for me. I screwed up and picked the wrong person because I didn't look. I just took the class because they don't understand that, that you have a choice when you're picking your schedule. It's not so much like, here you go. These are your classes this year. No, in college, you get to choose it. You get to choose the professor, yep. the time, the day of the week. Should it be Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Should it be Tuesday, Thursday? Should it be my favorite, the night class, which was three hours once a oh, week? Oh, God, those are awful. <laughs> I love them, to be perfectly honest. Really? The yeah, the professor didn't want to be there either. So it was only like <laughs> two, two and a half hours. So it never was three hours. And I think I was just always hungry during those. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem because they start, they were like five to eight or six to nine. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of people didn't like them. And the other reason is like you said, if you're that kid that needs the constant three days a week of getting the information, getting that download of three hours of information once a week, and then, like you said, having a quiz the next week on it, it's a lot. But it gives you more free time. You have more time to go over the material. But it, it all depends on what you like. You know, yeah. everyone, everyone's different. And that's the learning experience of college. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you get to figure it out. So was with, with these classes you were taking was there some challenging educational experience that you had said what was what you said something about it was more of a speed bump than a roadblock what what, what did you mean by that yeah I guess it was just kind of like the entire first year of just like finding that accountability and finding out that learning style and then just like we talked about making the extra effort to make sure that you're understanding the material 
Um, so it's not like I was failing these classes, but right. I wasn't doing as well or I wasn't understanding the material as well. And like, you know, when you see a test, if you know the material or not, for sure, like, you know, you know, like you can't guess in math classes because <laughs> no. you have to show your work. So <laughs> no. even if you guess five and first of all, like there weren't really a lot of numbers. It was more like you'd end up with an X equation. Right. So it wasn't right. like you could just choose a number. Right. Like right, you right. still had to show your work to get there. So I guess that's kind of the speed bump was like figuring out where I needed to make the time for the extra effort hmm. to get the better grades and to understand the material. And had you been prepared for this from your high school experience or that's why it was the learning experience because it was a transition to a new uh, like a new adaptation of learning. Yeah, I think it, honestly, I wasn't that prepared from high school for that specifically, mm -hmm. like just like accountability for your classes and figuring out, you know, when your professor's office hours are what you're not understanding, because like you see the teacher every single day in high school, you have to be there for this allotted amount of time. Um, like you can ask questions in class. It's a lot smaller classes. So it, it was a, it was a definitely a different experience. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's a learning experience. And then the difference of you went to uh, middle school and then followed a lot of the same kids to high school. And then you go to college. I'm sorry, but uh, UF is what now? How many people go there? It's like 40, 50,000. Yeah. It's something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so even if there were Don Estridge or Boca high kids in this, mammoth of a university you're never going to see them because they're and, taking different classes they're on yes. the different side of campus or they live off campus yeah. it just goes on and on right that's the separation because middle school you're taking the same classes as these kids high school similarly the same mm -hmm. classes as these kids but once you choose a major in college those are the people that then become kind of your new friends because you're seeing them in all of your math classes all of your engineering classes and you're seeing them on a day-in daily basis so things change and it shifts from these are the people I was with because of they were in these classes and now these are the new people. So it yeah. is a transitional period. So with all of these ridiculous classes and an hard amount of education that you placed upon yourself, what was downtime for Megan? What was the, all right, I need to relax. I need to me time. I need to push this all to the side for a sec. What, what did you wind up doing when you were in college? How did you relax? Yeah. So I think for me, exercise is like a big outlet for me and I think it always has been because I played a lot of sports growing up like I played soccer I played basketball I played volleyball I ran track for a little while actually in middle school um I remember you you were like Jane of all trades you did every if there was a sport you tried it yeah so I think because I grew up like that um and it was always after school or something like that or on the weekend like for me after a day of classes I would always try to do some sort of exercise, then dinner and then homework. So it would kind of like break up the day um, and give me like an outlet where you're moving your body, you know, like it's good for you. Endorphins like that. that oh, yeah. There is science behind that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And it's it's somewhat regimented as well, because right. here here, you know, OK, I have exercise. I have dinner. I have homework. I have bed and then rinse, repeat. And you kept doing that over and over again. Yeah, I agree with you. But I never looked at it that way until people were answering this question that way. I, I was the same way. I've always loved, as you know, I ride a bike all the way to Deerfield and even further, which is like my whole, I, I have an app and it tells me it's like 18 miles round trip. <laughs> and I just have always loved to ride a bicycle. And I was actually talking to my brother about this one time. And I think that the, the 
like you had mentioned when you're in high school, you get your driver's license. Well, pre-driver's license is you get that bicycle and your parents are just yep. kind of like, okay, <laughs> just don't get run over and dinner's yes. at six o'clock, just come home. And it was that first taste of freedom. And I've always loved the bicycle because I'm the one that makes it go as fast or as slow as I want it to go. I'm the one who takes it on the route that I want to go on. And that was that freeing thing. And I, I never looked at it in the eloquent way that you had just posed it, that exercise has always been a huge part of my life. I played soccer as a kid. I played baseball. I played tennis. I played sports. But I didn't realize how much it overlaps into your adulthood and how much it, it helps you to unwind and let go of the stress. And, you know, I'm not thinking about how, you know, I screwed something up at work today or got into a fight or whatever the, you know, with a colleague or whatever happens, you know, you, you can just be freeing for that. So that's awesome. And, and that's something that we can carry on. It's like, I remember one time we were playing golf, a bunch of us from the Don, and we were playing over here at Red Reef. And there was only three of us. And we got paired up with this guy who was like father time. I mean, he was so old, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and we're all making our jokes and laughing. And we get on the first tee. Granted, this guy didn't hit it a, a country mile, but he hit it like you could have measured this with a ruler. He hit it so straight. I was like, this dude's like 900 years old. How did he do that? And every single time, bing, straight, bing, straight. You know, he was par or birdie every time. And it's, it's amazing. And you just think like the more time you put into things, the, the better you're going to get. And we all find these things in life. And, and again, with the volleyball, I, I was always like when I remember coming home just with this huge smile on my face thinking, wow, you know, here's this, this woman who has always been into sports and has found this thing that just drives her. And it's like, okay, this is my job, but this is, this is my personal life and my personal fun. And it just, I was always so impressed by that, that it was something that I remember you playing sports in middle school. I remember you playing volleyball. And it was like, I just had this smile on my face, like, wow, you know, she's still doing it. And now when you told me that it was a professional league, because I was so ignorant, I didn't know what it was. I was like, <laughs> what? Like you're, and, and you're talking to me like, I know what I'm talking about. And I do this to people. I'm sorry. I just agree. Like, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do too, what? though. It's like, you feel bad because you feel like you should know. But right. Right. I didn't want to, you know, here we just had made this connection. I hadn't seen you in so many years. And I was just like, and I was overwhelmed and amazed by it all. And, you know, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. And then I went home and I did a little research because that's me. I love to do research. And I was like, oh, okay, now I understand. But it was just so nice to see that you have this even balance between work life and social life and, you know, the things that you enjoy to do. And, I was so overly impressed by it that you have this amazing career in engineering, but yet you still do this these, this sport on the side and how it, it's a professional league. And it's not just like, oh, yeah, you know, I just go down to Deerfield and play volleyball on the weekends. You yeah, know, it's like, <laughs> that, I, too. I get, that too, yeah, that too, <laughs> but I've also seen you, you know, you're you, you still put in the work, you know, just like you did for school. I see you practicing there and, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's just so amazing that you turned an interest into some, I mean, what would you, how, how would you word it? What would you say? I mean, you do it. What, how would you categorize it into? Yeah, what? it was just like such an organic kind of reaction, I guess, like, or like chain of events that happened. Like I was just playing, oh, it's fun. Oh, let's play a tournament. Oh, did kind of well. And then like, you just keep getting better and you just kind of unlock more potential as you go up a level. And then you kind of find yourself where you are and you're like, oh, I don't know. It just kind of happened. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think the organic word is perfect because it, it when 
I know a lot of people do and a lot of people don't believe in the sentence, you know, when it's meant to be, it's just easy. You know, I understand some things have to be hard and that's life, but the, the, the quintessential things that make us who we are, the things that we're interested in, when it just comes easy to us, we're just like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm just going to keep doing it, you know, but other people are like, I want to do it no matter what, whether it's hard, whether it's easy. But the things that we excel at, they come to us very easily. And athletics was always that for you. But you were, on the other hand, willing to try different things and say, oh, well, there are these sports. There's this. There's not just it wasn't like you were that volleyball is it. And I'm going to do volleyball yeah. until volleyball is my whatever profession or my my side hustle. <laughs> yeah. And I'm it. actually really glad that I didn't play in college um, like on scholarship for the first four years, because I think that I would have been burned out. Like a lot of girls now they go to college, they play. I mean, it is like full time that you're, you're in the gym, you're watching film, you're practicing, you know, like you have to recover, you have to get enough sleep, but then you have to be up for 6am weights again, you know, like, and, and then you have to forget fit in... you got to yeah. go to school. There it is. Right. I'm sorry. School I interrupted. Also, like what? And so like, for me, I think that and, and like I was saying, like a lot of girls now, they, they leave college and they're just like, OK, I'm done. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. It's too much. And you actually went, OK, I'm going to put this toy down for a little while because yeah. I have to focus on my education. And then you picked it up again, but now in a different way. And now mm -hmm. you're doing it on Megan's terms, not on right. a coach's terms, not on a schedule. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. And it just happened to turn out that now there's a professional league. Did that exist when you were in college and high school or did that morph metamorphosis um, happen? So at that's that time? been around for a long time since I think the eighties. Oh wow. It was really big in the eighties and nineties. And then they went bankrupt in the two thousands. So like when I was in middle school and high school, it it was kind of it was fizzled. Like there wasn't Defunct. much there. Yeah. And then it kind of someone else bought it, I think, from bankruptcy or something. I don't know the exact story. They bought the tour. Um, and then they kind of started to rebuild. And then when I was in college, you know, some tournaments were popping up a bit more. Um, there was a little more money and it's, it's still definitely growing. Mm. Um, I think Valley's buying it is huge for the huge. sport. Yes. They have um, lots of money in deep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please allow betting on. Yes, exactly. Volleyball. Like that is how you generate money. Exactly. That sport. <laughs> so I guess in essence, it was the right place at the right time, because this sounds like it would have been something for my height itself if I was interested in it at the time that yeah. I could have done it through high school and college. And then once I adulting times happened, it fizzled out. But for you, it was the opposite. It didn't exist. And then it came back. So you were at literally the right place at the right time. Wow. Yeah, I definitely think that is it. It wasn't the perfect time, but it was the right time. <laughs> Nothing's the perfect time. That's just yes. the way life is. <laughs> So as far as Don Estridge, is there something that you learned about Don Estridge as a school after you left the hallowed halls of Don Estridge? Um, I do think that kind of what I touched on earlier was that the quality of education there is real. Like it, it is it is good education. You're going to take things if you pay attention with you that are going to make your high school life easier, which is going to make your college life easier. You know, like there are good educators there. You're you're privileged to have to be receiving that education in middle school when a lot of middle schools aren't up to that standard. And I'm hitting on the pay attention part. That's all I heard because that yeah. is that is an overwhelming statement that you just kind of glossed over and hid underneath everything else because 
the paying attention is so, so important. But in middle school, it's all about, you know, making friends and how do I look to those friends and social life. And uh, the paying attention in school kind of becomes uh, tertiary almost, like third or fourth. Mm -hmm. And by being able to pay attention and being able to be prepared, then that's helping you to prepare for what's next. And then that helps you to prepare for what's next. And that's a very important thing. I think the paying attention, that's a huge, huge thing. And I'm glad you brought that up. That means Yeah, and that to me that's intrinsic. Like you it's that saying, like you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. <laughs> right. Like you can give that like the student all the the best Tools. education yeah. in their learning style, all this stuff, but like if they don't want to accept it, then you know, they're not gonna learn anything. But I do think that's an intrinsic motivation you know, from whenever in your life that like you want to learn, you want to improve. Sure. Something like that. Sure. Is there something that high school, when you were in high school that you all of a sudden went, oh my gosh, I actually did learn that in the Don, but I never thought of it that way. Was there like some kind of moment where high school showed you something that the Don did teach you, but you never really equated it to the Don and you went, wow. <laughs> the, the clickers. <laughs> Oh, yeah. DPS. The, <laughs> the clickers as the funny answer, I guess, because those never went away. Even in college, they had clickers. <laughs> wow, that's funny. So you can always give that chuckle like, oh, yeah, I started that in middle school and we went all the way through college. Yeah, but I do think like kind of in the same way as the clickers, just like the technology that was incorporated in a lot of the classrooms. Like I remember there were smart boards, like the books were online. There was a bunch of different ways that tech was incorporated, and that was really the way that all of education was moving at that time. But Don Eshridge was definitely one of the first, um, what is it, when, um, you know, like the, the business first starts, like first to market almost. Right, right, right. right. Um, yes. We, early we adopter, were early we adopter. Were early That's, adopter. We, yes. were the, we were the flagship, as you would say, yes. of that technology because no other school in the county had all of this technology. Over time, all the other schools got it. But like you said, we were first adopters. We were the first ones to try. And there were many things that failed. Like um, were the, the coded keys still working for my door when you were there? Like I could take my ID badge and scan it on the door and the door would unlock. Did it still oh, work? I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure at that point, because it was, if it was 2008, it was only three years later. So it still did work, but they don't work anymore mm -hmm. because that company A is defunct. So we can't get new ones. Um, they also in the science classes, I don't know if you remember, were trying to do attendance with like a hand scanner, but that fell to the wayside. So companies would come to the Don and say, hey, we have this new technology. Would you be interested in being our test product uh, tester for us for our product? And we're like, yeah, sure. Free technology. Why not? Some of the things worked and some of the things didn't. The clickers were definitely something, as you know, which, which worked well and continued on throughout. And that that was definitely it. And I'm sure the the you seeing all this new technology really went, wow, look at look at where education's going. And then you just kept riding that wave all the way out. Yep. For sure. That's really cool. So as I always end this uh, podcast, I ask the same question because all the people that I interview so far to this point have all gone to the Don. So <laughs> speaking of the Don, do you remember who Don Estridge was? So I actually didn't look this up because I wanted you to tell me if I was right or wrong. Nice. Good um, for you. But I think that he was an engineer who worked for IBM. 
and worked on the computer when they were working on it in that time in Boca. Um, and, and where in Boca? At Donna, at the school. At, okay, so actually funny. <laughs> is that right, first of all? That is correct. Ding, okay. ding, ding. Hold on. Nice. Wait, wait, wait. Where is it? Yes. Clap. You get the clap. <laughs> um, funny side note is my mom actually worked for IBM in Boca, and she actually worked in an office in Don Estridge. Like no way. Like one of the classrooms was like where her office was. Office was. Oh yes, because that's what I usually say when I have to give the gong when the kids can't remember, which I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so the school is named after Don Estridge, the father of the personal computer, which was invented at the actual location of Don Estridge Middle School. And he worked there. And unfortunately he died in a plane crash in the eighties going to a conference. Oh wow. And yeah. Him and his wife, they were on a private plane and it crashed, unfortunately. And so when the school was becoming a school and they found out all of the history, they decided, well, why don't we name it after this guy? <laughs> I love to ask people like yourself, engineers. My best friend from high school is an engineer, and he had no idea. And I love to mess with him and be like, you wouldn't have a job without this guy. Because they're all <laughs> like, I remember learning about him in college, but I can't remember what he did. I'm like, uh, he invented the computer. So <laughs> the personal computer. So it's it's a wonderful question because in the very beginning, they don't do it as much as they used to, but a lot of kids your age and a little older are like, oh, yeah, we had to do a project about Don Estridge in order to learn that and blah, blah, blah. So some people remember it, some people don't. But I just think it's really funny because that's who it's named after, and it was invented there. And then you have your story of your mom actually working there, which yeah. is incredible because <laughs> a lot of people like your mom who've lived in Boca their whole life, they have no idea that that building ever existed. Because it used to be all foliage in front. And mm -hmm. people would ask me, when did they build that new school? I'm like, I don't know, 30 years ago? They're like, right. I've lived in Boca my whole life. I'm like, it was behind all the trees. And they're like, oh, I thought it was just like a park or something. No one <laughs> knew that it was there. It was hidden on purpose. And then all of like the area that I live in were houses that were built for people like your parents who were working for IBM and needed a place to live. So that's amazing that you did know that. And I'm glad you didn't look it up because it's, it's nice to know because, you know, honesty yeah, is, I a, didn't, is a... I didn't realize he invented the PC. I just thought he was like working on it, you know, when it yeah. was. No, no, cool. he, he gets credit for being the father of the personal computer. Like computers existed, but they were like the size of, you know, the science room. Right. But <laughs> then he actually gets credit for inventing the first personal computer. And we actually have his personal, personal computer, not the first one, but his the the gesture that was done by the family when they found out uh, that the school was going to be named after their uh, relative, they yeah. actually, the survivors, the, the children, they said, well, we have his personal computer. Would you like it? And it's on display in the front office at Don Esther. How big is that thing? It's not. It's the size of a, you know, like a, well, I'm used to it because I grew up with those computers. So okay. you didn't. So it's like a monitor and a keyboard and uh, a CPU underneath. Okay. Cause I'm thinking like, even though it's a personal computer, it's still. No, no, it's brick. not that big. No, 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 no. It's not that big. I mean, it's not the size of what we have today with flat screens. It's still a CRT monitor, you know, that thick, big, you know, uh, tube television monitor. And it's, but it, it's, it's more along the size of what you would think of a personal computer rather than, you know, what you saw in like Lost in Space or one of those 60s or 70s <laughs> movies where they're like, oh, personal computer. And it takes up the size of a room. Right. No, it's no, like no. half their spaceship. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, without this, we're all going to die. No. 
Um, it, it's it's a regular it, it's a lap it it sits on a regular desk. I mean, it's not a laptop, so it it it's a regular computer. But yeah, no, that's funny. I'm glad that you were able to remember that. So, as always, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that'll listen to this and go, "Wow, I can totally relate to that." And I know that just like teaching with these podcasts, you are helping in your own special way to make a difference in children's lives and their choices in the future. And just the fact that you were sitting in one of those desks in that same room, getting that same education and moving forward to where you are now, I, I know that uh, you're going to make a huge difference. And on behalf of the of myself, basically, the How I Got Here <laughs> podcast, I was going to say all of us here at How I Got Here, where it's all me. Um, but thank you so much because your story is so interesting and there's so many different zigs and zags. And, you know, even though you're heavily into education, you did find your way with athletics and sports. And here you are still doing it, which is amazing and a testament to your drive and your will to succeed. And thank you so much for telling your story. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was this was fun. I appreciate it. Well, you have a wonderful day and thank you so much. Thanks. You too.